Alright, Sunshine. Wanna hear a podcast? Everything in this one's completely improvised. The film title and the director's names, they don't even tell the guests or the improvisers until the moment they hit record. They work together to create a film that undoubtedly will become a box office smash hit. Welcome to this week's episode of the Improvised Movie Director Podcast. Jackson says, remember, pain is temporary, film is forever. I found that rather rich, given how long and indeed painful Lord of the Rings is. Nevertheless, there is something to be said for the everlasting impact that cinema can make on us as individuals and as a society. I am joined today by a director who has left an indelible mark on the landscape of cinema. I'm Martina Minnow. And our guest today is Rosemary Ravine, director of The Breakfast Fight Club. Welcome, Rosemary. All right there, Martina. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, I'm absolutely delighted. I've listened to this for a couple of weeks now and I thought I'd love to be on that. So thank, thank you very much. Oh, I'm so delighted, Rosemary. And The Breakfast Fight Club. Oh, my gosh. What a thriller that is. Well, absolutely. Do you know, my favourite meal of the day is breakfast and I'm extremely aggressive and I thought, marry those passions and bring it together. And I feel that that's resonated with a lot of people globally, particularly on this island here of uh, the United uh, Kingdom. And marrying for passion, not something I've ever heard of, but I like that. I like that a lot. So, so obviously, Rosemary, I watched it the moment it was released, but some of our listeners, they might not have seen it yet. Can you tell us, what is The Breakfast Fight Club all about? Well, in a nutshell, it, it starts with quite a pensive scene and, and somebody's asked that age-old question uh, with a picture of a, of a full English. Which item would you remove? And, and the issue is, is that the questioner has a very specific desire for one item to be removed. That is, of course, the grilled tomato. They never do it right. Uh, uh, but, but the answerer, in fact, says the black pudding, at which a massive brawl erupts. And that's the beginning, really, of this journey into the uh, the mindset of the greasy spoon and, the, and the, the underworld that exists there of illicit crimes and a lot of sexiness. There's a lot of raunchiness. I'm going to put that out there now. It's very sexy, a lot of builder's bum cracks, and I, I'm into it. I don't know if you are. hope you are. I am. Grease often is sexy. It's the slipperiness, I find. Let's cut to that opening sequence in the greasy spoon with that philosophical question, what would you remove from a full English breakfast? My, my, here we go. Right, there's your full English, and there's your full English with extra toast. Uh, Thank you very much, kind sir. Though I cannot help but thinking denizens of the Black Shuttle. If one had to review this particular meal, what would you lose? Taking a look at the English breakfast like you might take a look at your family at Christmas or Easter time. There's dead weight here we can drop, isn't there? Who is the Auntie Margaret of this platter? Whomst is the cousin Sebastian of this particular breakfast? Don't you think so, Carol? Well, if it was up to me, 
I, I don't much care for blood and fat, so I would get rid of the black pudding. I'm not racist, though. It's just because it's not tasty. Carol, you fool. I will not stand for this sort of insult in my store. Well, it, it, it's not my store. It's somewhere I eat breakfast. But don't you worry. It will soon be my store when I return with the rest of the classy London crime gang that I run. You mark my words, the Black Shuttle. We'll be back. We'll be back! Oh, sorry, do you have an extra fork? Thank you so much. Bye! And we see that tension right from the opening sequence. The battle cry is launched. It's clear. The posh ones are coming, and they're coming for your breakfast. Absolutely. I think what's also interesting is that, you know, we see in that scene, Carol says, I'm not racist. She is, but she goes on a journey throughout this film where we do, in fact, uh, let her know that the diversity of London is something that we're very proud of alongside uh, the violence of the upper echelon. So the, the 1% that represent the gang. It's actually quite a deep commentary on, on society. Absolutely. And, and that kind of depth, it's rare to find. And, and I do think that's one of your signature marks as a director. So I must ask, have you always been political? And, and why have you chosen to take a stance now in this way? Well, you know, my mother used to be there campaigning for, for Ban the Bond, the C&D. And my dad was an anti-racism campaigner. And so it's been through my veins since I was a child. Instead of going on holidays, uh, we'd go to the picket line. So for me, uh, protest and, and family time are, are inextricably woven together. And I tell you what, I can make a protest sign quicker than you can say good morning. Would you like a cup of tea with that breakfast? Quite a long sentence, but still, I am very speedy. Well, well. Protests and family time. Well, that's, a, that's such a wonderful sentiment. And actually, um, I hope you don't mind, Ms Ravine, but I actually got in touch with your father, Rocky Ravine, and he's got a little message for you. Um, would, you would you mind terribly if we were to play it? No, I'd, I'd love that. I'd absolutely love that. I've not seen him for at least... A week. I'd love it. He, he was very, very sweet about it, actually. And a stronger accent than yours. I was quite surprised. Here's Rocky Ravine with a message for his beloved daughter. Hello, my darling child. It's me, your dad. No, I'm only joking. It's your mum. I'm going to put your dad on now. All right, so I've just got to say, keep fighting the good fight. And remember, you've got to have vegetables at every meal of the day otherwise the balance of grains pulses meats if you choose to have them is going to be completely off we're absolutely proud of you and in fact we've named the local community hall after you and i just want you to know that when you win the oscar i'm gonna keep it in the downstairs toilet oh oh you can really you can really hear the pride can't you? My father hasn't spoken to me since 1987. I'm, I'm sorry about that. And do you know what? My dad has got enough love, uh, enough muted, uh, unspoken love that you can't always tell is there, but you kind of know is there because he puts trinkets from your achievements in the toilet, love, to go around. So if you want to come and join the family, there's space for you, Martina. Thank you. Thank you.
And, you know, I really saw that theme of unity and inclusion coming through in the film and the way you made everybody come together to fight the 1%. It was really moving. And there was this big impassioned speech delivered by Carol right on the picket line. And I thought, my gosh, let's get her in charge, you know? She's very powerful. And I see a bit of you there, actually, Ms. Ravine. I see it. Well, they do say often people write and direct in aspects of themselves. And I'd like to say Carol is the best of us. Uh, because she starts off with an in- ignorant point of view uh, that, that is only founded on things she heard from her mother and father who were not very worldly. But then she realises, living in this diverse community of, of, of Leytonstone, that she is surrounded by her beautiful friends. She's got her dear friend in the end, Mohammed, who saves her life. He's a very dear compatriot of hers. Um, and, and then there's also uh, Iman, who's a lovely friend of hers also, that comes when she gets injured in the fight, comes and brings her meals on wheels. So it really is a community effort within that film. And I'd like to say that... I hope I become Carol, always learning, even though I've got a staunch view. Absolutely, and I think there's a little Carol in all of us, actually. Let's cut to that picket line scene where Carol rouses the community into action to take down the 1%. I don't use this word lightly, but Carol, Carol's a badass bitch. Carol, they're talking about wanting to go home. Nobody thinks this protest is working. And we're all hungry. I think I might throw it all in, go back. That's the kind of talk that breeds hatred. When we're hungry, we're divided. Here, take this cold tin of corned beef and start dividing it between the people. All right. Oh my goodness. It's, it's working. People, people are standing up from where they've sat down. People are, are, people are eating it from between themselves. That's what Mohammed taught me. When I was on the floor with no energy, my blood sugar was dangerously low. He spoon-fed me some of his lamb biryani, and it was his for eat, but he chose to share it with me, and it gave me the strength to get back up and bash that posh bastard with me handbag. And then I said, you know what, Mo? I've judged you too harshly over these years. Not only are you a good lad, but that was delicious. And if we all decide together that we've got good elements and we join together, then we can beat the 1%. Carol, you are I don't condone violence, I never do, but sometimes you need to bash a bastard with a handbag. Sometimes you just need to. I know, some people might say I went a little bit far where we hung, drew and quartered that individual right down by the tube station, but I think the 1% have been going too long. They've been stealing from us, they've been dividing us, and if really, if we look at Carol and her ignorance, it's because of the propagandist media that told her to look amongst people who were unemployed, people who were migrants here seeking safety, uh, seeking work. And actually, I think I could have gone a lot further, in fact. I could have gone and killed his entire family, doused him in gasoline. But I didn't, Martina. I kept it artistic, you know? Yes, absolutely. And it was artistic. It was beautiful. Now... 
talk me through, you collaborated with some interesting people on the on the score for this. The, the sounds were beautiful. Talk me through who you collaborated with. Well, I really wanted to reflect the underground nature of protest at the moment. We're hoping it becomes a little bit more mainstream. So uh, we got UK artist Dave. He does a lot of the, uh, the lyricism within the songs. Uh, obviously, Voice of a Nation, Akala, we couldn't not have him. Uh, but then we actually got Lizzo involved. I cannot believe it. She was over for Glastonbury and she saw it. She she saw us shooting and she said, I want to be involved in that. Uh, and then we also have Bjork as well, which I think gives that kind of tonal Icelandic noir effect whereby we're just in another world. We're transported elsewhere. So there's that Verfrumsdung effect, you know, that Brechti and Verfrumsdung effect where we've separated ourselves from the characters to a degree, but we are still in the story. Absolutely. And is it true that you'll be releasing an album? Absolutely, yeah. I actually took up the glockenspiel as a stress reliever uh, during that time period. And I've got into industrial glockenspiel music. I've, I've started to kind of make that my mainstay. So I will be making an album with all of those artists guesting. And I do actually have an excerpt. It's the spoken word track, underscored by a glockenspiel, delivered by Bjork. And it's about society. Here we go. Sometimes that's good things, sometimes that's bad things. We all work together. We all work together. I'm quite moved by that. I really do love Bjork. I know not many people do, but I do. I really do. I absolutely do as well. And I, what I wanted is I wanted it to be short because people's attention spans are minimised these days. And also overkill can really kill a track. Mm. Uh, and that's where it was. That for me was something I thought it was a spare, sparse uh, experience of togetherness and unity. Absolutely. And so going back to the film, we've got the rabble assembled. The community is mobilised. They're ready to take down the 1%. But who? Oh, what is this? The capitalists are coming. And uh, there is a very frank exchange of words as they purchase the black shuttle and propose to raise it to the ground. I mean, it really was quite moving at a point because, you know, Richard Branson's come down on an helicopter, Jacob Rees-Moggs is on a quad bike, and then Jeff Bezos water slides down uh, wearing a T-shirt emblazoned uh, with Amazon. And everyone's like, oh, no, the capital's late. What are we going to do about it? And then, actually, what do we do that we do best? We resorted to violence. We, we fashioned a guillotine out of the, uh, the items in the Black Shuttle kitchen. Uh, you know the one, like the deli, that slices the meat? We got that out, made that into the blade. Uh, we got some of the, uh, the benches outside, then pub-style benches, made them into the framework. And then we just whacked their heads off. But we did it to music because we thought there is a poetry to the elimination of greed and... Uh, theoretical posing which puts people in different categories. Can you hear the people sing? Singing the songs of angry men. It was wonderful and I really appreciated that you, you really embraced that kind of pushing the boundaries and it was delivered in rap. Surprised me that did. Here's, uh, here's the battle rap. Yo, yo, Black Shuttle, we're all here, what's up? We gotta raise this place to the ground, get it shut. There's nothing you can do to stop us, so step back. It's time for a classist attack. My name is Carol and I don't take no guff. You think you're good, but you ain't really tough. You got too much money and I'm gonna kill you now. Get down on your knees and pray like a cow. 
Oh, there's nothing you can do about me, that's odd. You didn't seem to realize I'm Jacob Rees-Mogg. I've got my quad bike, the family, the privilege. There's nothing you can do, you'll all be left behind. Well, listen here, you, you've got all the cash, but no one told you that your fash is fash. You can't dress for nothing and you look like a twiggler. Go on, square your big capitalist piglet. I've got the people behind me, the 100. We're gonna crush you, slam dunk, gun son. Oh, she was done, son. My gosh, Carol, I love it. I actually love it. And, and me and Jacob have been friends for many years, but he does look like a twiglet. He does, doesn't he? He looks like a twiglet in clothing. And when he reclines upon the benches of the Houses of Parliament, he looks like a pepper army that's been left out in the sun too long and has weakened within its membrane. Yes, and knowing him personally, that's an accurate reflection of his uh, personality as well, I can, I can assure you. Process me. Yes, and really disappointing and quite bad for you. Certainly leaves you feeling salty. I can, I can confirm. Did you two date? But I won't speak publicly about Jacob anymore. He has far more money than I do and I can't take another lawsuit. So let's move on. Okay. So, we've got the battle scene. And actually, at that point I was a little nervous. Because Richard Branson, Jeff Bezos and Jacob Rees-Mogg are a formidable trio. And I thought, how on earth is Carol going to do it? But then there was a very unlikely resolution and I thought, gosh, that's inspired. Tell us a bit more about it. Well, after we'd taken the head off the Gorgon, uh, as so to speak, and we'd killed those initial marauders, then obviously they were filled by more. Your Boris Johnsons, we also had Elon Musk coming along. Uh, and we had uh, lots of people who we'd never seen before because they're the people who really hold the wealth. I mean, that's, again, the message we're trying to bring across here. But what we did is we started showing them our bank balances. And, and when they saw some people in the red, when they saw some people with only a pound in their bank balance, they were so horrified they started chalking on their own ideals. They started chalking on their own tongues that were made for the greed of capitalist want. And honestly, who knew it was going to work? Amazing, amazing, choking on your own tongue. What a way to go. I've got a sound clip of that. Oh, I say, take a look at these bad... <laughs> Hello, I've just come back from some kind of meeting and I need some more money for the... Let's look at this... Oh, my God! <laughs> Oh, hey, what's up, guys? It's Elon Musk. I just wrapped up in my... Oh, my goodness, that's a tiny number! It's actually horrified capitalists across the world. They've now changed the FTSE 100 to the FTSE 1 million, just in case it happens during the stock exchange. I know. They've absolutely tried to make sure that they don't have that happen again. But we did cover Cropper within the production because we actually had Kira Knightley and also our good friend uh, Orlando Bloom in that because obviously once upon a time they were the darlings of the UK cinema scene, but it really was a mistake because they actually came from very affluent backgrounds themselves. So whilst they did not choke on their own tongues, they were almost subsumed by their own mouth meat, as I like to call the tongue. The mouth meat, yes. Such a delicate way with words, Ms Ravine, really very poetic. So it was a heartwarming ending. We see everybody back in the black shuttle and we have a lovely exchange where they all share why they like certain elements of the full English and what it means to them personally. So heartwarming. I learnt a lot about all of our characters. Here we go. 
Miss Carol, we've done it. Oh, that's right, dear. And now we can all enjoy the various aspects of the full English together. My favourite is certainly a nice thick sausage. My favourite is the Yorkshire pudding. And my favourite is the nice spiced bobojie. I'm Elon Musk in my original accent. I guess the lesson here is that it's not really a full English unless it's got lots of different parts. Now nobody show Elon Musk how much this cost. So heartwarming. Wonderful. What a message. You must be very, very proud of it. Uh, I am so proud of it. And it's got a legacy beyond the film because uh, the the place where it was actually set, uh, which was the Spoon Grease, uh, very on the nose uh, name. I did tell them maybe try changing the name, but they didn't. Um, but there is a place there. They have Bubble and Speak where men who are beset by toxic masculinity can go and talk about their feelings. Uh, and that's because, you know, they got into a place where they realised art was not a fate and they could just be themselves. Beautiful. Bubble and Speak. Oh, how wonderful. I've actually got a very short um, advert for Bubble and Speak, where they're inviting people to come along and join them. I'm sure we can squeeze that in. Let's cut to that now. Hello there. Are you, are you a man? Well, calm down. Stop explaining a film to someone that also saw it and listen up. Are you affected by toxic masculinity? Of course you are. Do you know what it is? Well, if you don't, but you're offended anyway, you might be affected by it. Come on down to the Spoon Grease, where we'll listen to you, not along, but not uncritically. This is my friend Steve, and he was affected by toxic masculinity for many years. Steve, you're here to tell us your story. Why don't you go ahead? Well, I used to only get physical contact from anyone I was in a romantic relationship with, or when I was at a football match and I either my team lost or I scored a goal but now I realise that a hug is therapeutic. That's lovely Steve, I'm really happy for you and you know what, I'm glad that you found such a loving community here at the Spoon Grease but if you're a negative Nelly or Norman then stay the fuck away we don't need your bad vibes you have been warned I see nothing but good vibes coming from you, Ms. Ravine, and from your works and the legacy you have left. Now, I have to ask, tell me there's another film, please. Well, Martina, I shouldn't really give this away because, of course, publicity. But I am, in fact, going to be doing brunch fight club. I'm going to be doing lunch fight club. I'm going to be doing dinner fight club. And I'm going to be also doing evening meal fight club. There might be more. We're planning for it to be a little bit like the Leprechaun movies. Leprechaun in Space, Leprechaun in the Hood, uh, Leprechaun Back in the Hood, and all of the others of that franchise. So, you know, look out, get your snacks ready, and which other establishment of oppression are we going to bring down over a hearty meal? I hope you don't mind. I uh, had a little chat with your publicist earlier. They've given me a sneak peek of a short you've made called the After Eight Fight Club. We're going to play that now. I hope that's okay. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, brace yourselves, everybody. It's quite a rich experience. Here's the trailer for the short After Eight Fight Club. Layers of milk, chocolate, sandwiched between a creamy peppermint cream. You know you want it. It's the taste of establishment. It's the taste of excess. It's the taste 
After eight. Time to snack. On those less fortunate than yourself. Unless that's ethically wrong. Why don't you watch this short and find out? Beautiful. I can't wait to see the After Eight Fight Club. Thank you. I've kind of made it like one of those uh, information videos for a school, but obviously the rich and ignorant aren't in schools anymore. So I've had to make it so zeitgeist and cool that they have to watch it because they want to be abreast of all of the artistic developments. So that's what I'm trying to wheedle in. I see it. I see it. Well, Ms. Ravine, we've come to the end of our interview today. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? I'd like to say that you might not think you're an artist, but every day you get up and create something at least, even if that's just in the bowl, if you take my meaning. And you do have the power to change things, even if that is just getting them to change the way that you queue in your Tesco's because you think there's a better way for the, the egress and ingress of that particular shop. Little actions create big ramifications. Well, Ms. Ravine, you have made quite the ramification here. Thank you so much for coming along and joining us today. The Improvised Movie Director podcast featured Sabrina Luisi as Martina Minow, with resident improvisers Vicky Hawley and Rory Vieira, with special thanks to today's guest, Francesca Reed. IMDP is produced and edited by Steve Tanner. Theme music by Matt Brown and Johnny Griffiths. Episode artwork by Marty Sears. Additional music by Stan Babich. Follow us at Improv Movie Pod for updates on future episodes and live shows. Improvised Movie Director Podcast is a four foot one films production. Mm-hmm.